John chapter 4, verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. I've been reading and listening, trying to understand how the healing of the COVID virus will take place. And they're not saying that they're trying to find a remedy to fix it, although they are doing better with treatment. They're looking for a vaccine so that you never get it. But my question as I was thinking about this is, what kind of healing could there be? Could there be something that would be available? They talk about a potential vaccine, but what about those who already have it? How the healing come? Our country and our world has been ravaged by this, decimated and thrown off kilter. And we've heard this now about the pandemic for about a year, just under a year. And you would think after hearing it about it for a year that, you know, you wouldn't want to hear about it again in the sermon. But I wanted to lay the groundwork for this man whose son was at the point of death. That this is serious. That this man's son is really, really sick. And he believes in his heart that if he doesn't get healed, and soon he will die. Now this is a nobleman in the town of Capernaum along the Sea of Galilee. And his son, I believe, and we could take it this way, has been sick for more than a minute. When our child is sick or we're sick, we try different things. Chicken soup, chicken noodle, orange juice, vitamin C. We'll try just about anything, won't we? Eventually, we can't kick it that way. We'll call with the doctor, try to get an antibiotic. We're always trying something. The reason I say that to you, to remind you of that, is because this man, first option was not Jesus. It's at the point where the boy is dying that Jesus becomes his option. Not when he was just sick. 
but when he was dying. And, and the father loves his son. And you can tell because he's in Capernaum and Jesus has returned to the region through the grapevine. He hears this, obviously. And Jesus, by this time, has a reputation for being a healer. Now, I wanted to argue with that statement and understanding of how this man could have known about it when all he did was did one miracle of turning the water into wine. And so Jesus wouldn't have been known for this healing possibility. So how would he have known? But that is not what our Scripture tells us. And you think that in error when you read through the book of John, when you hear him say, this is the second sign, which is the last verse of this chapter that he did, which was the first one was changing the water into wine. The word sign is not miracle. The word sign is a word that means evidence of someone's relationship to God. Proof of who He is. That kind of sign. So that sign of the water and the wine is the first sign that Jesus is Messiah. Between that sign and then the next one in Jerusalem where he cleans out the temple and prophesies about his own death, which is another sign, and then comes back and now heals this boy from his point of death from a distance is another sign. There are certain signs that confirm Messiahship, and one of those is healing the sick. Another one is a supernatural miracle, which water into wine was. So, the sign here, and the reason I mention this, is that Jesus has healed this boy from a distance. He's not even going to him. He's not laying his hand on. He's not anointing him with oil. He's not praying over the boy at all. He just says, your son lives. That's all he says. He doesn't go down to Capernaum. And for sake of uh, topography for you in, in geology and all this geography, excuse me, Capernaum is on the Sea of Galilee, 700 feet below sea level. Cana is 1,400 feet above sea level, about 14, 15 miles away. Now, that's a walk for the dad uphill. And because it's mountains, the 14 miles becomes 20 to 25 most of the way up hill. If you think you're going to walk that just to be leisurely, you're far from kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself, actually. But Jesus knows that this man has walked up hill 20 miles or so for his son. That's love. Now he left his son and it was at least a day to a day and a half walking to get to Jesus where he was. Now that's some faith there that he let out believing that Jesus was in Canaan and that he could find him there. Second, believing that Jesus could come back to him before his son dies and heal him. Third, that Jesus actually would. Fourth, that Jesus actually could. 
Those things were in his mind. So when he gets to Jesus, the man implores Jesus in verse 47 to come down. Now you understand why the Gospel there says come down. Out of the hills, the mountainous region, down below sea level to Galilee. And when he asks him, he says, my son is at the point of death. And Jesus looks at him and says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you're never going to believe. Now, at first that sounds like a rebuke. But let me share something with you. I don't believe that's a rebuke. I think it's a statement of how we are. That if we don't see something God does, we have trouble believing. If I don't see it happen or God doesn't make it happen and it blows me away, I'm not going to believe. Doubting Thomas was like that. There are many of us who say, if I don't see God do this, I'm not going to believe in Him. i got to see proof. And Jesus confirms that. That there are many of us who need that. Because in this statement, He says to the man, you people. He doesn't say you as in Him alone. Like I was speaking to you, I would say you. He was saying to this man, unless you guys all see this, you're not going to believe. But this man had enough faith to believe that belief was possible. It's a good statement to remember. You have to have enough faith to believe that believing is possible. We need that. And so, with Jesus in front of this man, He says that. That by no means you're going to believe without that. But believe what? Believe that the Son's going to be raised from the dead? That Jesus is Jesus? Or Jesus is the Messiah? Believe what? Does this man not coming to Jesus already not believe something? What is Jesus trying to get people to believe? What do you believe about Jesus? As soon as Jesus says that, the man begs. And he's a nobleman of royalty. And he's begging Jesus. Do you understand, as he said, pandemic doesn't care about color, doesn't care about uh, social status, doesn't care if you got money in your pocket or no money in your pocket. It's not looking at that. It's looking at your human being. Right? And so, when this man begs Jesus, he's not begging as a high nobleman to another high nobleman. He's begging as a father very concerned about his son and he's run out of options for him. Desperate. As much as his son's sick, the father's heart's ravaged by watching the devastation on his boy. I believe that. And he begs him. And listen to this. Jesus is going, day and a half down, day and a half back up. Nope, not doing it. Not going. Looks at him and says, your son lives, go your own way. Go back home. Your son lives. It's all he says. Nothing else. 
Is that a sign? Do you take Jesus at His Word without seeing? Do you believe and trust? In our Scripture we learn in Romans that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And Jesus has spoken the Word. This man believes it. That's what it says. So the man believed the Word Jesus spoke. All he needed was the Word from Jesus. Sometimes we beg Him for the Word. I need a Word. Tell me something. Give me answers. And Jesus says sometimes you have to believe without hearing or seeing. And that can be difficult to a heart that's ravaged and broken and disappointed by this world. But Jesus is different. And so the man goes his way and says in verse 30, 31, excuse me, as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, your son lives. Now listen to this. This is the next day. The man's going home down and the servants have left the day before and they meet halfway. Well, I would say him going down probably went a little further than them going up. If you know what I mean, it's easier to go downhill than it is uphill. So he may have made a little further progress. But they meet him somewhere between Capernaum and Cana and say, Your son lives. At 7 o'clock the hour yesterday, the fever left him, 1 o'clock. And he said, well, what time did the boy get better? And they said, yesterday at the 7th hour, 1 o'clock. And, and the father says, that's the exact same time Jesus said your son lives. It's the exact same time. And because of that, in verse 53, it says, he himself believed and his whole household. What did they believe? That his son could live? No, he was already alive. That Jesus could heal the sick? Yes. But what else do they believe? That Jesus is who He said He was. And they didn't question that. He had the authority from God to be the Messiah and do those things. Jesus knew this was who He was. And now they believed because of the sign. Not the miracle which the last verse says, this was a miracle. Obviously, he was healed from the almost dead. But it was a sign because he did it from a distance and didn't do anything but say a word which showed a sign of his Messiahship. And so, what they believed is that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior who was to come to redeem us back to God. This is what he and his family believed because of the sign. Don't miss this subtle difference. Yes, they believed because the son was healthy. But they believed more so because Jesus is a prophet and Messiah said it without having even been there. What's the greater miracle? That he was healed? Or that Jesus did it without being there, without seeing him and knew it? 
For them, it's the distance. That he didn't even have to say anything or do anything. And I'll tell you why. And this is proof right here. And then I've got to wrap this up. Jesus' Messiahship could only be proven if sometime in the course of his ministry, he would heal a deaf mute. And you look through Scripture trying to find that. And let me tell you, there's only one place. It's in the Gospel of Luke. But let me tell you how this happens. That Jesus would give that final sign that He was Messiah. He was in Tyre and Sidon, which is along the Mediterranean in the northwest section of the region Jesus traveled. And He left there and it says that He went to the Decapolis. You go, okay, from here to the Decapolis, no big deal. Not a big deal. He went 50 miles or more up and down hills and over the Golan Heights most likely to get to the Decapolis where the Gerasenian demoniac was from and east of the Jordan River to go and find a deaf mute. It's the only one that's recorded that says how he did it and where. I'd love to tell you the whole story. It's one of the best stories in the New Testament, in my opinion, if you ever question your faith. Just look it up at what Jesus does. And remember, when you look it up, Jesus does not sigh because of the man's misery. It's because He's fulfilling Messiah with this miracle. So He heals this man to prove He's Messiah. That's a sign that He's Messiah. He's healed many before this boy. That's why this is the second sign. And you say, well, how do you know? Because he sent, the dad sent himself to go to Jesus to get his son healed, and he wouldn't know Jesus could do that if he hadn't done it yet. So he knew Jesus was a healer. But what he said is, you come to my house. And Jesus says, you go to your house, it's already done. That's Messiah. Jesus already took care of it at the moment of need and He wasn't even near it. If this man knew that his son was dying, would he leave his deathbed for anything if Jesus couldn't heal him? Or would he be there to the end? Do you understand how ravaged this father is now? What do you do with this man, Jesus? Who is he to you? What kind of sign or miracle or word or promise do you need to completely turn to Him? And why do you keep resisting and fighting His reality? This healing moment, if we had time to unpack the whole thing, you'd go, I'll never doubt again. I'll never doubt again. Ever. Ever. But why do you in the first place? Who else do you trust to heal you and restore you and redeem this world and bring a healing to a world ravaged by sin and brokenness and bitterness and division? Who do you trust to do that?
I want to share something with you this morning, and I'm not sure how to do this up in in, in a region area of COVID. It's like really hard to figure out how to do things, but I believe God wants people to be healed today. I believe He wants them to be healed yesterday, tomorrow. I believe that. I don't think God says sickness is a part of the kingdom. But what I would like to do is for someone to be willing for me to anoint them with oil and that we pray over that person where you are and where that person is. If they'll raise their hand, I'll anoint them and pray over them as a part of this healing. I believe God wants to do that today. Okay? Just stay where you're at. I'll bring the anointing to you. Excuse me, the oil. God bring the anointing to you. And while I'm getting ready to do this, I want you all to be in a heart of prayer. And I don't mean just names we've called for today. Although we have so many in our own congregation that may be afflicted with COVID and are. I have friends with it. We're all going to know someone who's been devastated by this thing. And so we're going to do that. The ravageness that says, I've got to go to Jesus even if it takes a day of ill or two or a week. I don't care as long as I get there. Well, guess what? We can just come to Him in prayer right now. That's all we got to do is come to Him in prayer right now. We can do that. We can do that right now. And thank you and say, come, come down and anoint and say the word and heal our land. In the name of Jesus Christ, for all who suffer and are afflicted with disease, brokenness, division, hatred, ruined, ravaged, Hopeless, lost, fruitless, faithless, joyless, friendless, lifeless. For all those, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we anoint now that this one here who's standing in the gap would be the go-between the liaison, that this moment right now, our world and our country and our devastations would be healed. That we, Lord, are begging you to make a healing force in this land bigger than a vaccine, bigger than anything else, Heavenly Father, that when we see upon this day and upon this moment in our world and our history, that we would look back and see this time as a time where you did something long before scientists or other people and pharmaceutical companies could. Heavenly Father, even before a friend could reach out a hand that you would reach out and speak to a broken heart about to take their own life or given up hope that you would instill hope right now. Heavenly Father, we need that as a nation, as a world, as a people, as individuals, as groups, as families, as churches. Heavenly Father, churches may not come back from a pandemic, but that's not factoring you in. So, Heavenly Father, build your church up. Make it relevant. And in this time of prayer, Heavenly Father, I ask that whoever may be listening or hearing these words, 
would find that your healing anointing goes out truly from this place into all the world, Heavenly Father, to be so bold as to ask, Heavenly Father, for we receive not because we ask not. Oh, I'm asking big, because I feel like you want to do big. And in a world that needs big, we need something bigger than what we see. Yes, we still need a sign. But we need a sign that you love us and you're healing us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God is good. All the time. And I pray, and I hope you continue to pray, that God's holiness and righteousness and love, grace, and healing will go forward from this place. I praise Him for that. And I pray that you would be blessed today as you go in peace.